Hi, this is Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures from back in the day. And you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, man. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Pete Corrielli second-guesses my interviewing skills. You're an ambiguous interviewer, bro. Every time I'm done doing an interview with you, I always feel leaving like, will he call again? Did he have fun? <laughs> Maybe I should have yes. had the wine when he offered. We'll hear more from Pete in just a bit. We have brand new music from Steven Ember to close out the show. Kind of a teaser announcement for the big guest next week. But first, as always, fake news. <laughs> And now, fake news with me. India triumphed in its first interplanetary mission, placing a satellite into orbit around Mars on Wednesday morning and catapulting the country into an elite club of deep space explorers. Scientists broke into wild cheers as the orbiter's engines completed 24 minutes of burn to maneuver the spacecraft into a designated place around the red planet. We hope to gather a lot of valuable data, said one of the project scientists who identified himself as Steve. A Rhode Island community is on high alert after a fox attacked people at an elementary school playground, biting at least four people, including a second-grade boy. The fox on the run outside Broadbrook Elementary School in East Windsor Monday attacked seven-year-old Evan Witzke during an outdoor gym class. Physical education teacher Alyssa Danielle risked her own safety for the students and ripped the animal off him. Animal control tracked down the animal by listening for the dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee sound. Police officers often deliver citations, and in urgent circumstances, they've been known to deliver a baby. Now, here comes pizza. When a pizza driver hurt his neck and back in a crash earlier this month, two Portland Police Bureau officers heard him call his boss, and they offered to finish the delivery for him. The customer said the pizza was still hot, but tasted a little like tear gas. Eric Holder, who made history as the nation's first African-American attorney general and became an icon among liberals but a divisive figure for many conservatives, will leave his post as soon as his successor is confirmed, President Obama announced on Thursday. Now Holder, as we just said, will stay on until a successor is found, and he's taken everybody's guns away and given them to the UN. A 6.2 magnitude earthquake struck Alaska on Thursday and it was felt in the largest city, Anchorage, the U.S. Geological Survey and social media reported. There were no immediate reports of major damage, although the epicenter of the quake was in a relatively rural area. Said one unfazed resident, I just thought the Palins had gotten into a brawl again. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a coming out party. Sure, the subject matter was serious, but in the end, the mood was lighthearted. Lawmakers gathered in Pennsylvania's state capital of Harrisburg on Tuesday to propose a major change in the state's hate crime law to extend protection to those who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Lawmakers made their pitch for getting the legislation to the governor's desk by the end of the year. The bill's sponsor, Senator Jim Furlow of Pittsburgh, made a surprise announcement very casually. Quote, hundreds of people know I'm gay. I've just never made an official declaration, he said. I never felt I had to wear a billboard on my forehead, but I'm gay. Get over it. GOP lawmakers responded, but we can't. And that's been Fake News with me. Pete Corrielli is a stand-up comedian originally from Long Island, New York. Now he's living upstate, way upstate, in western New York, just outside of Buffalo after spending several years in Los Angeles. But he's on the verge of some big things, and we had such a great time talking to him. The interview ran a little bit long, so you're excused from the dumb bit this week. We go right to our interview with Pete Corrielli.
Patty boy. Okay, how's it going, eh? All right, perfect. Are you from Canada? No, everyone thinks that because I'm such well, a. You just said a. I'm such a canophile. Hey, John Moses, you know him? I, why do I know that person? He's in, he's he's in New York now. He's from Toronto. But um, I was interviewing him, and I set up the interview through Facebook, and he looked at my Facebook page, and it's, it shows where I like the CBC and the CFL and the Toronto Argonauts, and he goes, are you Canadian? I'm like, no. <laughs> I just wish that I was sometimes. <laughs> really? Wow, that's a very odd wish. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up, because we were in your neck of the woods uh, at the beginning of the summer. What do you know when my neck of the woods is? You mean where I live now? Yeah, Western New York. You told me uh, last last fall that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we wrote, went right by your exit there on the way up to. I uh, went up to Buffalo to see a concert, and then we went over to Niagara Falls, and uh, did that whole thing. So. I live on. Uh, I live in Fredonia now. Yeah. Okay, because I maybe at the time I was still. I just moved here and I was crashing at my in laws for a little while in Dunkirk. Yeah. Now um, I think you had already been. You'd already moved to Fredonia. Cause isn't Dunkirk up closer to Buffalo? No, Dunkirk is really parallel to Fredonia, but closer to the lake. Oh, okay. We're both the same distance from Buffalo, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, I thought you lived in Minnesota. No, no. This is for Minnesota. I live in Cincinnati. Okay, but what we're doing today is for Cincinnati, right? Uh, yes, that is correct. It's a feature. Okay. Yeah, big 750-word feature. So, who do you normally write for? Are you total freelance or mostly Minnesota? Mostly or? Minnesota and Cincinnati. I regularly write for them, and then occasionally for like the Houston Press and the, uh, with the Salt Lake City Weekly and uh, Westward and Denver. I've had a few things in, and uh, so and then magazines and stuff occasionally. So, what do you do? You, what's your long-term goal? Like, I mean, shit. For me, to be honest, if I was uh, hosting the Oscars, it's like I'm done. I don't know what else to you know. Yeah, deal, but... something where I could make fun of stuff. Uh, maybe more like kind of almost what Jimmy Dore does on his podcast. Um, only a little more. Uh, I don't know. Just I used to write for a radio show here in Cincinnati, and that was probably like the greatest job I've ever had. Even though I didn't make a lot of money at it, it was just a little part-time job. But it was so cool. It was the biggest radio station, uh, one of the biggest radio stations in the country. Afternoon radio show. Uh, wrote satire and did impressions occasionally, and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So anything where I could make fun of stuff in kind of this format. <clears throat> yeah, I I used to uh, do a radio show with Jim Brewer on on uh, Sirius oh, yeah. Satellite. Yeah, and we were on every afternoon for like three years, and that I love radio. So and I grew up on Howard Stern and stuff. Yep. So that that was the funnest goddamn job. Because I would write game shows all over the time. Like I had two. One of our producer was a twin, so we had his twin on with him, and we brought <laughs> on two other sets of twins. And I wrote a game show, Titus Twins, and it's just fun, you know. Oh man, that's cool. But yeah, radio isn't it amazing though? How many when I go on the road, so many guys do it badly, but the same yeah. way badly that I'm I'm convinced it's just it's probably like sitcoms when by the time the network the uh, suits get their paws in you uh everything comes out shitty in the same you know what yeah, I mean? yeah 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 it, it so. is it is so horrible the only radio i listen to now on a regular basis is actually bbc radio one uh I think oh, the, yeah? the brits got us beat yeah well, i discovered a couple years ago you could listen to it online i'd listened to the world service since i was like 12 years old on like shortwave and, and then uh, when public radio here would carry it and then mm -hmm. i discovered i was working this job with my wife at uh, procter and gamble and uh you could i just Happened to flip over to BBC Radio One. It said, "Listen online." I'm like, "Really?" And uh, there you have it. <clears throat> so. Yeah. See, now when I drive long distance, I I like to 
when I'm passing through, like if I'm going around Cleveland, let's say, yeah. uh, on my way west, all right, I want to hear the Cleveland guys for a while, yep. you know, and then I go on to the next one, and I'm finding more and more that, like, I really, the radio shows I like, uh, it's totally based on the DJ, man. Yep. It's if he's if he's likable and I like him and good if he's cardboard cutout and like why do you have to have the chick just to have the chick it drives yeah. <laughs> me nuts I mean I love a funny chick oh yeah but just, but just to say let's go to Karen because we should oh my yeah God. yeah yeah anyway there's... anyway fascinating stuff so 750 words is that a lot is that um, good that's pretty good because normally the a blurb is only 150 in the calendar oh. section so sweet 750 is oh. pretty good man. Beautiful, man. There you go, moving up in the world. So you've been in Western New York for about a year now, I reckon. <coughs> Excuse me, my coffee. Yeah, about a year living um, at this house. Yeah, because I was uh, always was starting, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We started a while back, actually, but <laughs> I'm gonna do a Marin oh. thing. I just kind of fade into it like he does instead of uh, officially saying welcome to you know, joining us on PS Tape Recorder. No, this is, you know, I'm a little gun-shy because last night was the last phone call that I had in any capacity in my little office. And I have to quick tell you, this is fucking crazy. I haven't told anyone yet. Okay, cool. Um, I I was lucky enough to finally make a a deal for a sitcom with CBS. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. And and anyway, so last night they go, you know, I pitched to the people and the deal went through and everything and we're done. And now it's about writing the pilot. So yesterday I get a... They go, oh, we got to do an 8.15 uh, East Coast time, 5.15 West Coast time call with a couple people at CBS. Uh, these are their names and with the producer and your writer and you and your manager. So, okay. I figure it's just going to be, a, hey, we're excited and yeah. this is who I am. And I get on the phone and the guy who's producing my, my sitcom, if we're lucky enough to get to actually make it, is a really, really successful producer out of L.A. And so far, the guy has been very right with everything he said. And me, and I tend to really uh, listen to everything he says because he's been so damn right. So uh, as soon as he gets on the phone, we're all on the phone. His name is Aaron, Aaron Kaplan. He goes, uh, Pete, this is so-and-so and so-and-so. And uh, and I say hi to them. All conference call, no video. I don't see anybody. And then he goes... um, Okay, so why don't you, because they weren't able to be at the pitch, why don't you and Marsh, that's my, my writer, yeah. go through and just do the pitch to them the way you did it to CBS and everyone else when you were out here, so let them hear it, all right? Now, the pitch is like 25 minutes long. I pitched <laughs> the goddamn thing to ABC, TV Land, NBC, I'm fucking done pitching this shit, right? <laughs> so... The pitch don't even start out with me. It starts out with Marsh, and then it goes into me. So Marsh says his bit, and you could tell this is a guy. I, his name is Marsh McCall. He's a very successful writer, and he's writing my show with me. And you know, he he was the head writer, uh, show cre- uh, showrunner for Tim Allen's last project. Okay, which he didn't create it. Uh, he just uh, they needed him to take it over. But yeah. I mean, he's a big dog, and he's sure. been through shit. And I preface that because even he's a little thrown, and he's saying a few things, and then he goes, well. Why don't you tell them a little bit about your wife, Pete? And then it cuts to me, and there's a pause, and I go, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought this was a phone call to discuss the size of my trailer. <laughs> uh, so, so I go, I thought I was done pitching. I hung up my pitching uniform. you know. But anyway, we fucking – I'm sorry I keep dropping F-bombs. But we plowed You're through fine. it. And then at the end of it, I, uh, you know, it's a conference call of five people, and they're all like, okay, great, and they all hang up. And it's so odd, too, when everybody hangs up on a conference call except you, and you're sitting yeah. there going, hello, anybody? 
And I just completely felt violated. And, and, and you know, <laughs> this is nothing I expected it to be. And now I'm like, am I losing the show? Next thing you know, I get a call from the writer, Marsh. And as soon as I pick up, he goes, dude, I thought you were a pro before, but you are a pro's pro. He goes, what the hell was that? Were you expecting that? I go, no. I go, what were you expecting? He goes, dude, I've done these before. Usually that's a phone call to say, hey, we're all excited. Look forward to the script. I'm sitting there. At one point, I don't hear anything. I go, I feel like I'm Sandra Bullock doing stand-up in the movie Gravity. I don't even know if I'm coming through. <laughs> but anyway, so this is my very next phone call here. And I'm oh, like, okay. yeah, no, but um, all good. Living in New York, uh, living upstate New York now for about a year. All settled in. Been working a lot on the house. Everything's good, man. Cool. You had uh, said you were gonna, thinking of running the, the big theater there uh, last New Year's Eve because uh, it was such a, a good deal. Did that ever end up happening? No, because I was going to rent the local theater, the Opera House. Uh, first of all, one big problem I have is they don't allow booze inside. Oh. So that's a little annoying. But overall, what happened was I handed in recently um, just an hour set of me at a comedy club to Showtime, uh, and then Comedy Central and Netflix, but really, I want to get on Showtime. Yeah. And if they do like it, um, they also are interested in the idea of me filming it at this theater in my town. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just sort of like, like I even got it set up the way I want to film the hour special. The theater is right down the block from me, so I figure in the opening... I'll be in my suit, all yeah. ready to just walk down the block to do the gig. That's cool. And as I'm leaving, uh, my daughter starts crying, and then I realize she needs a diaper change. Now I'm yelling <laughs> out to my wife. My wife's not around. How about that, brother? There you go. That's cool. We're talking, Patty. It's 15 minutes before I'm going on stage, and I'm in my performance outfit changing my daughter's diaper. There you go. All right. That's what it's all about, man. That'd yeah. be pretty good. Some people down from Buffalo and uh, uh, pack the house, man. Yeah, it would be good. That's what I'm hoping to do. Cool. Why? We were talking at the beginning. I don't know what's going to make the article and what's making the podcast, but I'm still just goddamn thrown that you <laughs> like sometimes wish you were Canadian. <laughs> it's weird. Well, I grew up uh, in Cleveland, across the lake from uh, from Canada. So I mean, we could pick up. You know, you know, we had what you know growing up. We you're. Uh, I think we're around the same age. Listen, um, I just played Cleveland this past weekend, and okay. nobody in Canada is using the word ratchet, all right? <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> sounds like my daughter's. Um, but oh, really? We only had, like, what, five channels growing up, right? Maybe in New York and Long Island you had a couple more. But in most of the country you had the three network affiliates, your PBS, maybe an independent or two, and that's it. So you could pick up Canada from across the lake because the lake's flat, and you could, I could pick up the CBC. So I just started watching that too, and I, I don't know, I just, you know, and we'd go up there on vacation, and I, did, I just liked it, so it, it stuck. Hey, to say you like Canada or to say you're into their entertainment, I, I get it. But you basically, at the beginning of this interview, did a slight <laughs> yearn wishing that you were Canadian. And it was just, it threw me. I mean, even at the height of Michael J. Fox and John Candy, I never wished I was Canadian. Yeah, well, the whenever I interview Canadian comics or Canadian performers, they, they think at first I'm pulling their leg when I say that I'm crazy about their country. They're like, oh, ha, ha, very funny. And then, no, I'm like, seriously, I, I dig your country. And then, then like, well, I guess that does make sense. But even though they're all I, trying to escape it. Yeah, no, I did, a, uh, I, I did a really cool month-long tour of Canada where we literally started in Newfoundland. And every day, we were on the road for like 35 days. It was like me, that uh, Godfrey, another comedian oh, yeah, yeah. I heard of. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Godfrey. And um, um, 
this guy named Danny Boy from Scotland was on it. Um, but basically, we would be on, we were on, I count, I remember counting like 35 planes in 32 days. Wow. But little puddle jump is just up sure. and down, up and down. We played every little, like, cool old Victorian theater slowly across, made our way across Canada, man. It was a really cool gig. It's weird. I just talked to a guy, uh, he's from Long Island, Sean Donnelly, and uh, he just played Newfoundland. And uh, I've been talking to a lot of Long Island guys lately. And I talked to Chris Frangiola like the week before that. Chris Frangiola, this is the craziest thing. Chris Frangiola, I grew up with Chris Frangiola's brother, Matty Frangiola. And, oh, wow. and, this, and this guy is one of the funniest cats I ever knew. I mean, I can't tell you how many nights we spent drinking beers in the woods, cranking Van Halen and Billy <laughs> Joel. And then once in a while, Frang, as we call him, would say, you know, my brother's a writer out in L.A., you know, like that. And I wasn't even doing comedy or anything. I was still 18, 19. And, uh, you know, as I got older and, and stuff, uh, all of a sudden I just remember seeing the name once, Chris Frangiola. <coughs> Excuse me. And I reached out to him. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's my brother and shit. It's just a small world. His brother, Matt Frangiola. Shit, this guy was funny. But anyway, wow. I digress. No, that's no, that's fine. I just think it's odd that I've interviewed a lot of people that used to be on Chelsea lately and a lot of people that are from New York. It's been the, the big string lately of people I've interviewed. Strong Island, baby. A lot of us came from Long Island. Exactly. Yeah, tons. Uh, not only you got your big guns, your Jerry Seinfelds and... Uh, and folks like that, of course, Kevin James, but then uh, there are people actually from the island proper, I guess, like you and uh, Sean Donnelly group, he said, in Nassau County, right on the border there with, uh, I think, Brooklyn or Queens. I can't remember which, but... Uh, oh, yeah. is that what you call, when when you're actually on the island, not counting Queens, when you want to say Nassau or Suffolk, you say Long Island proper? No, I say that because he, he Sean it said to me, he said, I don't know how you picture Long Island as a Midwesterner, and I said, because well, he thinks most people think of Long Island as the Hamptons. I say, no, 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 I picture Long Island as Brooklyn and Queens, then the like suburbs, kind of like where I grew up in Cleveland, but more compacted together, and then way out east, the Hamptons, and he goes, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I just call it the island proper because it's not Queens or Brooklyn. I just yeah, but anyone from Long Island, uh, like like you know me and him, you would basically consider Long Island, Nassau, and right. Suffolk, Queens. I, they're they're boroughs, even though they're part yeah, exactly. of it physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I lived out further than him. I grew up out in Suffolk. Jim Brewer grew up in Nassau. Okay, and, yeah. Um, and Eddie Murphy grew up in Nassau. Yep. Uh, Howard Stern. I mean, what's stacked? There's something in the water out there. I guess so. And well, you're all packed together, I guess, according to, to Sean. It's like 20 houses on a block. And I'm like, yeah, it's not quite like how I grew up. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah. A lot, a lot of nationalities all mixed together. Right. Yeah. A lot of fun. He said the same thing. He said, yeah, he goes, he doesn't know if it's all the cultures mixing together out there that made it so funny or uh, or what it was. But yeah, that's uh, that probably had a lot to do with it. Um so, uh, do you do you think that kind of that Long Island upbringing, that suburban upbringing, uh, influenced your comedy directly or indirectly, or how do you think that mixed in? Oh man, my Long Island, one hundred percent. It's I, Long Island is the most similar I can say to the way Long Islanders, New Yorkers, I guess you could really say overall. When I, um, you know, New York City and Long Island, it's very similar to people around the Boston area, and it's just like everything is 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 kind of. Uh, What's the word I want to say? We just try to make light of everything, you know? And yeah. any problems, just let's crack jokes, crack jokes. Crack. I mean, I remember one time specifically being at the dinner table because my father would come home and he'd always 
he worked in Manhattan. So he'd come home and he'd always have a couple of stories ready to go. And he'd sit at the dinner table with the hands moving all over. <laughs> My father uses his hands so much. I was out to dinner with him recently at a restaurant and the waitress came over because she thought he wanted another drink. And she's like, what, can, what do you need? And he's like, what do you mean, what do I need? She's like, no, you waved me. And, he, and, and my <laughs> mother goes, no, he just uses his hands a lot. I'm sorry. So so my father's like, Jesus, do I move him that much? I mean, right? <laughs> so then a little later on, he does. He wants a drink, and he can't get her. And then finally, you know, she's walking by. I go, excuse me, can we get it? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was just talking again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the boy who cried wolf. But he would come home, my father, and he would always have these stories. And then everybody, we just made fun of everyone, you know, each other and this and that, and, you know. But all in love and encouraging. And I remember one time my mother goes, she just breaks that at the table and she goes, can't we just have one meal, just one meal and nobody makes fun of anybody. <laughs> and it was like this two-second pause, and then we all just started cracking up. It was ridiculous. My mom was all Irish. She didn't always get it sometimes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, and it's just how it was on Long Island. It was just everything you did, everywhere you went, you know, we were on top, you know, making fun of each other, and and then my brother moved to Boston, and just a perfect example of how so much, and there's so many great comics from Boston, too. Oh, yeah. How the, How similar their sense of humor is to ours. I uh, have a Jeep Wrangler, and I had the soft top down. It was summertime. And my wife and my dog in the car with me at the time. And obviously, I have New York plates, but it also says Manhattan dealership where I got it. So I'm at a red light, and I want to turn right. And all the cars in front of me, they're taking their sweet-ass time, and I'm getting annoyed. And I'm like, "This, what kind of town is this? Let's go. So I decide I'm just going to cut right through the parking lot right next to me. So I hit the gas. I turn the wheel. Now, what I didn't realize is right next to my wheels was a curb. So as I hit this curb, the dog almost falls out of the Jeep. <laughs> my wife bangs her head. I'm hanging on. And the guy behind me in just this perfect Boston accent goes, yeah, you go, New York, you hero, you. You go. <laughs> You hear, and as I'm driving away, he's like, "You hero, you're a hero." <laughs> oh my God, my wife and I—I I was so embarrassed. She was laughing, but I couldn't wait till it was all over so I could actually appreciate it and laugh. Because oh, God, yeah. that's just so funny. Yeah, yeah, that—that's a there are there are funny folk up there as well. <sighs> yeah, definitely. So you you getting a tour a lot still, or is this uh, now that the sitcom is coming into being? Are you gonna? Uh, be focusing on getting that put together or uh, how your plan's going to work? Oh, out? no, man. I'm on the road all the time, every, so. everywhere. I think, first of all, all I sold was uh, a pitch. So now they want to, they bought a script. So now they okay. have to write a script. And as you know, I'm sure from talking to other guys, yeah. then it has to get, they have to decide they want to make it. And then if they make it, then they have to decide if they want to put it on the air. So yep. I got a lot of massive hurdles to to get over before so, I get a sitcom on TV. So you're taking the ball at the 20 right now. Oh, <laughs> shit. I think I just took a knee in the end zone. And <laughs> exactly. I'm taking it at the 20. But uh, never stop with the stand-up. Always on the road. Um, you know, doing it. Playing everywhere. Everywhere and anywhere. Anywhere and anywhere they'll have you, eh? Pretty much. Yeah, it's funny, go. though. Sometimes how you have, you know, I'll play gigs where I got to be there a whole week. And then I'll play a gig where I have to do a half hour one night. And it's just amazing how the half hour one night gig has no idea that I got the same amount they're giving me for a whole week. You know? Yeah. 
it's, it's even like when I first started doing stand-up, I used to get, you know, shitty gigs, you know, $300, $400. And I remember one time, um, my manager at the time, he calls me up and he's like, hey, man, I got a gig for you on your block. I used to live on 72nd Street in Manhattan. He goes at a restaurant just down the way on, se- on the same block, uh, downstairs, a private party. And I go, God, man, I can't even, can I just get shows at least in clubs? <sighs> How much? And he goes, three. So I go, oh, God, 300. But, well, it is on my block. Screw it. I'll take 300. And he goes, dude, 3,000, man. Three, and, like, he was playing it up, too, because he knew how excited I would be because I never got anything close to that. Wow. And I'm like, what? What? And he goes, yeah, some guy saw you at Caroline's, and he's a broker, a stockbroker, and he wants to have a private party. So I remember doing the gig for three grand, and a part of me was just thinking, God, imagine this dude knew he could have had me for 300 <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that's a long time ago, man. It's, yeah, it's weird how things happen like that. People in the audience, I uh, was talking to Jen Kirkman last week, and she said she got a gig writing for Disney because some woman worked at Disney, came in, saw our show, liked her sensibility, and said, even though what you're talking about isn't for Disney, you probably have that kind of mindset, and you should talk to some of the people that write on our shows. And she ended up writing a couple episodes of Phineas and Ferb, just like that. Wow, yeah. It's weird stuff. It is weird. Like, about a year and a half ago, I was playing a club in Florida, and I got in a day early, and Rob Schneider was playing. Oh, yeah. So, Talked to Rob so, before. Uh, yeah, and I had never met him or anything, but I wanted to perform. So I made a phone call here or there or whatever, and turns out they were like, yeah, Rob uh, has it's no problem. You can go on do a, some time before Rob. So I get to the club, and I, I don't go in the green room. I wouldn't go bother him. It's Rob Schneider's show. I'm just a guest spot. Sure. And the MC comes up to me and he's like, Oh, we were here last night. We have one more show, ten, two shows tonight. Uh, Rob's a good guy. Everything's great. Then the owner comes over and says to the MC, I don't know what you did last night, but uh, Rob only wants you to do like five minutes. Because I was going to do, I was going to do like 10 minutes and that's it. Yeah. But he says to the MC, Rob only wants you to do five minutes. And he actually wants Pete to do 20 minutes of Pete's into it. And I didn't even know the guy. So I'm like, huh. all right. And the MC's like, what? And the owner's like, yeah, he says you were real dirty last night. And, you know, and so now my thought is, oh, wow, this Rob must be a little bit of a difficult guy to deal with, Rob huh. Schneider. Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to just do my stuff, split and not bother anyone. I go up, I perform, it goes really well. I go off to the side, I watch Schneider for a while. Now there's a second show, and I'm going to do a guest spot on that. So then I leave, I come back, I'm at the bar again, and they go, Rob Schneider wants to talk to you. And I go, yeah, if he's got a problem, I just won't <laughs> do the next show. I mean, it's no problem. I shouldn't even be here. It's a, it was a nice jet. And, and uh, they go, he just wants to talk to you. And the MC goes, oh, boy, good luck, <laughs> because here he is thinking Schneider. So I walk, I already walk into the green room ready to go like, dude, what's your problem? I won't do your show if you, I walk in and he goes, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I go, hey, nice to meet you. And he goes, "Uh, listen, this next show, can you do stuff um, other than, and like as soon as he goes to say that, I go, listen, dude, I don't have to do anything. (laughs) I mean, this isn't even my show. I'm sorry. I mean, I I appreciate you letting me go on your last show. I don't want to screw up your vibe. I'll get out of here, man. No, I mean, I'm sorry, man. And he goes, no, dude, calm down. What? I, I just, I, I just, I really like your stuff, and I just want to know if you'll do other stuff because I'm enjoying watching you. You know, and I go, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. And long story short, uh, then he asked me to write for some award show. They do this this award show called um, 
oh, I forget the hell name. The, basically, it's an award show for everybody that makes tra- the Golden Trailer Awards. All these companies that make movie trailers, every year they ah. have their version of the Oscars. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. So Schneider asked me to write for that, you know, just from home, sitting at the coffee shop in Fredonia, and he paid me well, and then that wow. went well. Uh, so then every year since now, those people, the, this was the second year, those people call me and ask me to write for that gig. The woman's like, we just like your jokes, so every year mm-hmm. they're going to pay me to write that. And it's all because of Schneider, who... I didn't even want to go in the room to meet him because I yeah. was thinking, you just, you know, you yeah. can't believe just because one dude doesn't like another dude doesn't mean that dude's not cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that radio show I was telling you about before, I got that completely by accident. I was up there trying to pitch their sister station, an entertainment talk show, and they told me, oh, that, that we, we'd love to do that. You give us $5,000, and you can have three hours of hair time. I'm like, what? What are you, nuts? So I walk out, I'm all dejected, and I see my buddy from college who just became the producer two weeks earlier. He goes, hey, PF, want to come write for us? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Why not? Yeah, it's just serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah, so, God, Matt Dillon got into a fight in a parking lot in the rain when he was a kid. Then he was at a Seven Eleven with a ripped shirt and his hair was wet, and a casting director saw him. And that's how Matt Dillon got uh, the Outsiders. And that's oh, yeah. why it drives me nuts when he's sitting with James Lipton <laughs> telling me how to fucking act. Why don't I just go sit in front of a Seven Eleven in the rain, pal? There you go. <laughs> So, has living in uh, Western New York uh, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum here from when you're growing up in Long Island? Has that also influenced your comedy too, or is it more because you're traveling on the, you're somewhere every week now? Does it is this being all around the country, seeing different things that is the big influence, or how's that how's that break down? Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's a difference between an influence and your muse, so to speak. I write about my life, so whatever it is going on in my life is what I write about, you know. And uh, so, so. Well, Sometimes it's about the town and the things I'm dealing with. Sometimes it's just about, you know, an experience I had on the road or anything. But as far as being influenced, um, I don't I don't think anything. I think I just I just have a, just this unbelievable love for stand up that like, you know, even when I listen to comedians on the Sirius Satellite the other day, I was driving long distance and I'm listening to them all. I feel like I can even tell from listening the ones that really love it. And the ones that are just kind of doing it because they're funny and yeah. they get to stay out late and maybe I'll get in movies and TV, you know, and it's just such a difference. So, you know, even even like sometimes when I've had my worst downest moments, I've looked at my wife a couple of years ago and I'm like, well, like, what the fuck? Maybe I'll quit. And she laughs and she goes, what would you even do? Like, I mean, I have a college degree and stuff, but she yeah. meant it in a way like you would be miserable doing anything else. That's um, a fact. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I don't know if that answered any question. No, You're an no. ambiguous interviewer, bro. Every time I'm done doing an interview with you, <laughs> I always feel leaving like, will he call again? Did he have fun? Maybe I should have yes. had the wine when he offered. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always it's always a fun time with Pete Coriolic. We um. The second time on the podcast, we don't have a lot of uh, repeat uh, visitors and stuff. And yeah, I suggested that we do a feature on you to my editor, so I knew this would be a, a good time. So, I appreciate it, man. And I'm actually uh, looking forward to going back to Cincinnati for many reasons. One being last year when I played there, the last time I was there, I brought my bicycle because oh. I was able to drive because of where I live now. I said, I'll bring my bicycle instead of going to a hotel. I'll go biking one day. 
So, oh man, you know how like you got that goddamn bridge? It's beautiful, separating Kentucky from Cincinnati. We have a couple, but you mean the old one, the, the real famous one? Yeah, well, when you get to the other side in Kentucky, those homes right there are so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, yeah. yeah, the suspension bridge we call it, the uh, okay. Roebling suspension bridge. Uh, so the guy that designed know. it did design the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, really? Yep. Wonder which the which which one did he do first? Roebling, the, the one here, because it was he the 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 things that hold it up are actually in the ground. I think on either side of the river, whereas in Brooklyn, he had to actually go into the East River and they had to dig down with those. I saw this on PBS. They had to dig down and put the, what I guess called the caissons in, and guys died down there because they're trying to shovel all that muck out and then put these boxes in there so they'd stay sealed, and then they put the concrete on it. And but yeah, he did that first, and then he, then he did the Brooklyn Bridge, and then they killed him. He died halfway it's, through the construction. He died what? He died halfway through the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. How? It was so stressful. I heart attack or something. It was just so stressful getting the, the project done. that. Oh, my God. He was probably standing on top of that Brooklyn Bridge at times going, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Kentucky was beautiful. The people were nice. The bridge was done. <laughs> By digress, you come over to Kentucky, and how did your bike ride go? Yeah, no, so I go over that bridge, and if you go up some hills and stuff, basically there's a big park at the top of a hill. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I was getting lost, and I wanted to see it so bad, and I went the wrong way. And, this way. and finally I get to the top of this thing, and it's like goddamn 5.30, and my first show is at 7 o'clock, and I still had the bike all the way back, and then I got a flat. Oh, jeez. And, and I'm like... I'm like, people that are coming to my show are already showered up and on their way, and I'm still walking a bike over this bridge <laughs> from Kentucky. So uh, no bike this time. I'm going to be all napped up and fresh and ready to go. Cool, uh, man. The shows were great anyway. I'm just saying. Oh, sure, sure. Again, again, I'm thinking I'm telling a funny story about my bicycle, and by the time I'm done telling you, you make me feel like, why would I even bring that up? It was, no, it's, that's we, people ride a lot of bikes here. It's fine. <laughs> Now, now you're making me self-conscious because uh, I interviewed this uh, a Canadian singer, by the way, Lights, and I had my daughter interview her before the show. I'm trying to help my daughter. You know, she's interested in journalism, and uh, so I had her interview Lights before the show, and she goes, oh, you could learn a lot from this guy, most laid-back interview ever, and I'm like, is that good or bad? I don't, I don't know. See? That's how worried. I feel when you ask me questions. Is that good or bad? Well, I don't know. I will tell you this much, Patty. If it makes you feel better when I talk to you, I do feel like I'm talking to a Canadian. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Beauty, eh? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess people still like, you know, I'm still selling these interviews and we get like 4,000 hits a week on the podcast, so I must be doing something right. Or my of wife is convinced. Are, dude. My you're wife is convinced. You're a likable guy and you're good oh, at thanks. what you do. My wife is convinced that there's a website somewhere where they're making fun of me. This guy thinks he's funny and he's really not. <laughs> oh, God. I think they could say that about all of us, man. Yeah. You can't. Isn't it amazing how you can just read like two, 20 things in a row about how fantastic something you did was, yeah. and then one person says they didn't like it, and it just really bothers me. I, can, I yeah. can't deal with it anymore. Oh, I know. I'll, I'll obsess, and he's got, but you just have to, I'm becoming more chill as I get older. You just have to just let it go, I guess. Yeah, I know, but sometimes they hit on these things where like, uh, you know, one time somebody wrote, can you put your fingers through your hair enough times on stage or something? And like, you know. <laughs> I don't really do that, but I'm like, did I do that that one oh, night? Yeah. Like when oh, they man. do these, when they critique these specific things. Oh, that's crazy though. Yeah, like I can handle more if someone just said you suck. Yeah. But I had one woman one night. I'm on stage. I get off, and she's like, brown shoes with black pants. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Eighteen years of joke writing, and that's what you got to say. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I think uh, you'll 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 be much more appreciated in Cincinnati uh, as usual. So. 
I love Cincinnati, man. It's a great place. I've always wanted to go on opening day to Reds game to be a part of that parade. Even though I'm a diehard oh, yeah. Yankee fan, yeah, it just it's, seems it's like time. what a what a great time. We we start a parade. And we take it right into the stadium. Yeah, it's really it is a fun time. As a, uh, even as an Indians fan, I we uh, we've gone down a couple of times and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, now if that was a Yankee Day parade, we'd parade all the way up to the stadium, and then the rich people would go in, and we'd yeah. all go to watch on TV. <laughs> exactly, go down to the bar. Yeah. God, there you go, man. Well, all right, sir. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, good luck with everything. With the, uh, of course, with the, uh, the the big CBS show. Fingers crossed. And uh, Conan O'Brien, October first, I'll be on Conan O'Brien. Okay, cool. All right. I was I was watching. Uh, I don't, you know, Conan's very funny, but you yes. know, I'm like, let hey. me watch this the other day just to get a feel for. Uh, how the show goes and stuff. And Seth Green was on. Oh, yeah. And, uh, wow, dude, I had no idea how short he was. Oh, yeah, he's a little guy. I mean, I know he's short, yeah. but we're talking, we're talking fire hydrant. <laughs> wow, interesting. I'm not, I don't mean to throw him under the bus, but again, no. I'm trying to conversate with you. Sure. No, no I, 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 I've always knew Seth Green was a, a diminutive uh, figure. Um, while you're at Conan, say hi to my friend Jimmy Pardo. He does. He's the uh, opening act for for Conan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I uh, know. I know Jimmy Pardo, but is he a friend? Like just from this business? Just from stuff? this business. Yeah, we're. I, I'd say I'm friendly with him. Uh, you know, we've met a couple times in person, and I interview him a lot for Cincinnati and for Minneapolis on every reason. We usually just one time a year, and then I use both for uh, for both papers. I'll concentrate on something different. He's been on the podcast a bunch before. Makes the numbers spike really high. It's nice. So, oh, beautiful! Yeah, we're man. both, you know, we both like uh, you know the '80s music and things like that. So we have a lot in lot in common. See, now I'm working on a bit I've been toying with lately, where I actually say because I was going to Miami and a friend said, "You're going to see Steve tell Mike said hi," uh, <laughs> and the joke is, I go like, "Why do I got to play carrier pigeon <laughs> right? with all the technology we have today? You know, why do I got? I go, why don't you just tie a note to my claw and i'll peck on steve's window and then he could write you back and i'll fly home and and the joke goes on because i did tell steve mike said hi and i go to the crowd steve didn't even know who mike was <laughs> i go so now i gotta go home and tell mike the bad news <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. i will tell pardo you said hi but it just you know seems to me like when we hang up you yeah. could text him hi exactly i could do that yes but i think you would be good on his podcast so What's that? I think he'd be good on his podcast. Oh, he's on, got a podcast. On Never as not well? funny. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd. It's, a, it's more of a conversational type uh, situation, and uh, yeah, I think you'd be you'd be a really great guest on that. So, have you heard my podcast? Yeah, you and Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all right, I, um, all right, cool. I all right, to... bro. So, um, do you believe I'm literally doing this interview with you? And my wife hands me a spoon because she made something that she's like, "You have to try this. It's great." Oh, I get what, what is that, the... dude? We're in the middle of. Oh, my, my kids and my wife interrupt all the time. My daughter will come in and say, I need to use the computer. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing an interview. <laughs> I'm like, homework. <laughs> oh, P.F., it's been great, bro. I really right, appreciate it, man. Cool, dude. Talk to you later. Later. Right, bye. Thanks again to Pete Corrialli for being on the show. You can catch Pete October 9th through October 11th in Louisville, Kentucky at the Laughing Derby. For more of Pete's days, just go to PeteCorrialli.com. You can also find a link to the Pete and Sebastian show. Uh, they have the latest episode posted right there on the front page, but you can also subscribe to it uh, in iTunes. You can also listen to it via SoundCloud. 
So do do that. All right. Next week we have a huge guest on the show, and I'm not going to really uh, tell you who it is, except to give you a little hint. Uh, we did an homage on this man's radio show back last summer. Stay with us. Okay, that's your hint. Uh, logo designed by Dan Koble, of course. Original music by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor, with a little help from me. Like the podcast excuse me like the podcast on facebook follow me on twitter at pf66 and uh one more order of business here we did that new music roundup a couple of weeks ago and uh we forgot one uh, this is a brand new track from a gentleman named Stephen emmer i believe this is on his, his fourth album now and uh this track was produced by midge your friend of the show and uh, i was listening to it just a little bit ago and uh, as it starts up uh, it's very kind of acoustic and then his voice puts me in the mind of Peter Murphy. See if you think the same. This is Stephen Emmer closing out PS Tape Recorder. Uh, his song is called Taking Back My Time. So long and thanks for listening. And as I feel the last flame die I hear the words of songs that make of anger, not of love There's nothing here, there's nothing left And nothing's not enough And I would walk away, leave the weight You laid on me for so long Give it back where it belongs I wish you times to leave it all behind I'm taking back my time Time to take a little time to see what lies ahead but nothing comes to mind Only writing on the wall Of empty words and hollow sounds And empty says it all And I would walk away Leave the weight you laid on me for so Where it belongs I wish you well a thousand times To leave it all behind I'm taking back my time Helpless and Thank you.
Taking back my time